Cast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Well, welcome. I'm Kathy Zaka. Hi, I'm Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your hosts today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today, we will be discussing the human condition. We are not perfect. And our scripture for today is from Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing you did could ever earn this salvation. For it is the love gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast. For salvation is never a reward for good things, good works, or human striving. That's good. All right, here we go. The human condition. Well, as we said earlier, humans are not perfect, right? Right, right. Mm. We're all sinners, and it dates all the way back to Adam and Eve. And Genesis 3 talks about the Garden of Eden and the Lord's instructions for them not to eat any fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. Satan came and convinced Eve that she wouldn't die, but she would be like God, knowing good and evil. Verses 5 through 13 say this. This is the serpent. He's the one speaking at the beginning. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Ooh, that'd be scary. Mm-hmm. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. You know, especially knowing when you did something wrong. Right. You know God's coming to look for you. Yeah, let's hide. Yep. <laughs> and the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman who gave me the fruit, oh. and I ate it. Oh, don't we like to play that mm-hmm. blame game? Yeah, we still do that today. It's her fault. Yep. <laughs> then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. From the beginning of the creation of man, the enemy has been deceiving all of God's creation. He's still doing it today, and he will continue until God places him in the lake of fire, talked about in the book of Revelation. Because of their disobedience, God's judgment rained down, and paradise was lost. Thus, we have the human condition. We're all sinners. We fight against very real demonic principalities because Satan wants to rule this earth. Yes. It's sad. It really is. I'd like to give a couple of different versions on the definition of human condition. Mm -hmm. Basically, we as human beings, yes, are imperfect, like you said, Kathy. Yeah. As much as we try to be perfect, we cannot, especially not in our own power. We are only perfect in Him, God. We are perfect because He created us in His own image. In the book True Self, False Self, written by M. Basil Pennington, it says, The human condition is in the surrender to admit our powerlessness and open ourselves completely to the transformative experience of God. 
This is the accomplishment of the pure of heart, and they will see God. Many influences such as parenting, culture, education, religion, condition us somehow to think that we're not lovable in ourselves. Like All these things shape us right. from very early, early on. Yeah. Instead, our value depends on what we have, what we do, or what others think of us. This forms our false self. The false self is the domain of unhappiness. This goes back to the original sin, a sense of the absence of God, of any caring relationship with the divine presence. The true self, however, is no longer identified with the concocted false self made up of what I do, what I have, and what others think of me. I know that I am existing within and ever flowing forth from the divine creative energy of God. Here is freedom. Here is empowerment. Here is life. Here is love beyond all telling. Right. You know, I, I just keep thinking because when I spend time with the Lord and I'm, I have that intimacy with Him every day, like right. I need it every day, right. He changes mm-hmm. things in me. He changes my thoughts and helps me to see things from His perspective. Yeah. So it helps me to connect with Him, helps me to connect with other people in a better way. It makes me yeah. better. It right. makes me better to handle stuff that comes up. Right. You know? You know, and it's it yeah. just even like all the things I go to Him with in my mind at the beginning when I spend time with him, all that other stuff just fades away. Right. It's not that important. It's not. Yeah. You know? Like maybe petitions <laughs> that you might want to go to God for, and then right. when you just spend that intimacy, they suddenly disappear. Because right. you know yeah. he's taking care of it anyway. Right, that he's got it all in control. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is so concerning and disturbing or bothering us, God's like, why are you focusing on that? Right. You're spending way too much energy and time mm-hmm. on that, and it, it's just not... It's that transformation of your thoughts. Yes. Yes. You know, because we we go to him and then it changes from the flesh into the spirit. Yeah. You know, and everything seems all in better perspective. It does. And I don't worry about it anymore. Yeah. And then even after you have that intimate time with him and you come back, Mm -hmm. you know, you're you're back into the natural. Right. Even then after spending that time it just doesn't it doesn't matter as much. Right. Right. You know? right. Yeah. That's good. He sets you on the right path. He sure does. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's a good God. It's like it goes from selfie thinking to spirit, soul, spirit. Yeah. feeling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have another book to recommend That's Immortal good. Diamond. We Susan likes to read books. Oh, you're the book uh, we do. <laughs> we know this. I have an addiction. <laughs> she does. <laughs> <A book> addiction. Oh. <laughs> uh, in Immortal Diamond, written by Richard Rohr, he describes in Mark sixteen five through 8, Mary and Mary Magdalene running away from the tomb, and they were frightened out of their wits. They said nothing to a soul, for they were afraid. Wow. What a strange response, he says, after having just talked to an angel who told them not to be afraid. Right. Such running from resurrection has been a prophecy for Christianity and much of religion, just as in these early scriptures. Richard interprets this as the human temptation to run from and deny not just the divine presence, but our own true selves, that is, our souls, our inner destiny, and our true identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The true self is the part of you that knows who you are and whose you are, although largely unconsciously. Your false self is just who you think you are, but thinking doesn't make it so. You know, mm. and I think that we all are have done that at some point. We run from sure. ourselves, you know. Right. Yeah. You don't know how to handle certain situations, so instead you just you just run away from it. See, you and that's what it. I, I, again, you know, that's why that intimacy with the Lord right 
helps you understand key, your true self. Key, yeah, purifies right? it. Right. Yeah. You know, and and I think a lot of people run from intimacy with God. Yeah. Because they don't want to face right. their true self. Right. They don't want the Lord to have to dig down and pull those things out that have, you know, filled their lives and made them think this is who they are. Right. But if they only knew the love that God has for them and the treasure that they could find with doing that. Mm-hmm. But see, that's what the enemy does. He lies to us. Right. He tells uh, us that we're horrible people. You believe that, the lie right. rather than the truth, truth and what's really going to make you a better person. Right. Exactly. Yes. So yeah. people run. That's good. That's good stuff, Susan. It's also, too, I think when when we're growing up or when we're maturing spiritually, we sort of put on masks. Oh, yeah. You know, right. to just try to figure out life. And, and boy, when you go spend time with him, all the masks are removed. Yeah. Right. He he's he's not going to allow that. No. Right. You're going to come before him. You're going to come for him the way you, you are. really yeah. transparent before God. Yes. Yes. But you realize once you do that, once you experience that transparency before God and you're clean before the Lord, right. the other stuff doesn't matter. Right. And, and you really realize who you really are and you become more confident in yourself. Yeah. You know, and who God's created you to be. And it helps teach you to discern that the enemy's voice is what I'm right, trying to say. Right, the false. Right, the lies. Mm-hmm. And you can rebuke it. You can renounce it. You right. revoke it. You get it. Get those thoughts. You have more self-control where your thoughts are. Mm-hmm. And you're not believing those lies, so it's easier for you to be able to come to God and say, all right, here I am, Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, teach me, show me, guide me. Right. Uh, it's good. You can oh. discern the truth from the false. Right. And then you just don't put up with the false anymore. You don't put up with it anymore. Right, Because you know that's not how God speaks about you. Mm -hmm. He loves us. Mm -hmm. And he wants us to be happy and joyful, but we listen to the lies. Right. So instead of dreading that time of intimacy with the Lord, you start running to that place of intimacy and say, let's go. Let's do this. It feels so much better here. (laughs) Because rejecting yourself, myself, is rejecting him. Right. Because he made me. Right. That's exactly right. That's good. That's a good one. (laughs) Good thoughts. (laughs) All right. Moving on. We we are made for transcendence and endless horizons. Right. But our small ego usually gets in the way, Mm -hmm. like we're saying, until we become aware of its petty preoccupations and eventually seek a deeper truth. Right. It's like mining for a diamond. We must dig deep and yet seem reluctant, even afraid to do so. Mm-hmm. That's where the treasure is. Right. you got to yeah. dig for it. Yeah. Many times I've personally experienced people telling me who they thought I was. At the time, I wasn't where I am now in my spiritual journey. I also wasn't in an intimate relationship with God as I am now. As a result, I believed others more than I did God. Mm-hmm. I didn't know better. I got yeah. used to the labels and roles in my earlier years. Right. We accept them. Yeah. For so long, we accept them. Yes. No. Not anymore. <laughs> no, nope, no more. For example, I was the youngest child of five children, so mm. I was the baby, little Susie. Little, little Susie. Susie. <laughs> <laughs> As time went on, I learned the role of peacemaker. I just wanted everybody to be happy. Yeah. It took many struggles, difficult times, and a relationship with God <clears throat> to realize this wasn't who I was called to be. There are many stories in the Bible that illustrate the discovery of a person's new identity in Christ and who they are were called to be. For example, Abram yeah. went from being too old to conceive a child with Sarah to becoming Abraham, a father of many nations. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you know, God had to change his name. Yes. You know, he changed him. It seemed like a lot of the biblical characters, God changed their name 
once they understood their true identity. Right. Yes. You know, God said, you know, Peter, you're the rock, you know, or Abra, Abram, you're going to be Abraham. Right. Mm-hmm. Sarai, you're going to be Sarah. Right. And so he gave them their true identity. Right. Yes. I love it. So I'd like to mention another book. <laughs> one more. We'll, we'll give you one more, Susan. <laughs> oh, we love it. We love it. It's good, good resources yeah. if you want yes. to keep researching. I'm teasing. Yeah. Thomas Keating describes in his book The Human Condition yeah. as the example of Adam and Eve when he asked them, where are you? Mm-hmm. This is a question we can ask ourselves as well as, why are you hiding? Yeah. Where am I in relation to God, to myself, to others? That's good. This was similar to the question God asked Hagar, the maidservant of Abraham and Sarah, after being mistreated by Sarah. Mm-hmm. These are ba- basic questions to life. We humans facing the reality of the human condition to come out of the woods into the full light and seek intimacy with him. That's the state of mind Adam and Eve had before their disobedience. As soon as they became aware of their separation from God, they headed for the woods. (laughs) Get me out of here. (laughs) They had to hide from God because the loss of intimacy and union they enjoyed with him in heaven was painful. Mm. Wow. That's good. I want to share one a Sufi tale. This is like a Middle East parable. This really describes it well. Okay. Okay. A Sufi master had lost the key to his house and was looking for it in the grass outside. He got down on his hands and knees and started running his fingers through every blade of grass. Along came eight or ten of his disciples. They said, Master, what is wrong? He said, I've lost the key to my house. They said, Can we help you find it? He said, I would be delighted. So they all got down on their hands and knees and started running their fingers through the grass. As the sun grew hotter, one of the most intelligent disciples said, Master, have you any idea where you might have lost the key? The master replied, Of course, I lost it in the house. Dude. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Why? To which they all exclaimed, then why are you looking for it out here? Uh, yeah. yeah. He said, isn't it obvious? There's more light here. Oh, my, my gosh. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm killing you now. <laughs> what is wrong with you? We have all lost the key to our house. This guy's yeah. lost his mind. It's <laughs> marvelous. We've lost the keys uh, to our car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, we've lost many things. Especially mm-hmm. when I was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> that was a yeah. thing. Put your fridge. I lost my mind. Yeah. <laughs> we all did. Yes, we did. (laughs) We have all lost the key to our house. We don't live there anymore. Mm. We don't experience the divine indwelling. We don't live with a kind of intimacy with God that Adam and Eve reportedly enjoyed in the Garden of Eden. And the Sufi master seems to have enjoyed before he lost his key. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) The house in the parable represents happiness, and happiness is intimacy with God. Right. The joy of the Lord. Yes, it is. The experience of God's loving presence. Right. Without that experience, nothing else quite works. With it, almost anything works. I would say everything works. Yeah, Yeah, it does. Yeah. This is the human condition to be without the true source of happiness, which is the experience of the presence of God, and to have lost the key to happiness, which is enjoying God's presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. What we experience is our desperate search for happiness where it cannot possibly found. It wasn't lost outside ourselves in the grass, so to speak. It was lost inside ourselves. Wow. You know, I love that Sufi tale. We need God to give us proper perspective, right? Yeah. Right. Not looking up or 
look, not looking forward doing things that just make no sense. Like, what was the point of that? Right. You know? Where we look for happiness, yeah. like mm-hmm. in materials or... Yeah. Material well, things. Yeah. yeah. Right. What the world tells you you're supposed to Right. We, have. we get so caught up in what the world tells us to do. Mm-hmm. You know? When I was growing up, it was Kmart jeans for me. <laughs> we couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford anything else. But when I got my first job, I went and bought my first pair of Jordache jeans. Wow. That was a big thing. Back oh, yeah. Then. The or Gloria awesome. Vanderbilt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, we grew up in the 80s. Yeah. I was so happy, you know, but looking back on that now, it's the material things that we focus on so much, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Yeah, because our family was so big. You know, yeah. five kids, and my mom sewed all of our clothes. Oh, no. <laughs> mine did too. Mine did too. We're really to young. This is a deep groan here. <laughs> okay, my mom, because we didn't have money, and it, it was, was cheaper to sew your clothes than it was to go to the store. Yep. My yep. mom would buy one pattern for me, and then she'd buy a different material, but still <laughs> use that same cutout pattern. You know. So anyway, I'm just gonna say. This is terrible, but my mom, when she would make my pants, the crotch was really low. (laughs) And so I'm like, Mom! (laughs) And I'm like grabbing the crotch of my pants. This is too low. I'm not going to wear these in public. (laughs) So I was like, I was dreaming that I could one day have money and buy my own Levi's, you know, and look like everybody else's school. I was like, I look like a dork. Yeah, that's funny. Seriously, I started babysitting at babysitting at thirteen. Wow! So as soon as I started making money, it was like I'm going to the store (laughs) find me some Levi's. Same here, you know. And like we bought our clothes at track or Kmart. Kmart. And my mom would, mom and dad would give me the tennis shoes that were the tracks that looked like the Nike swoop, but it's just generic, (laughs) and everybody knew it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it is it's so ingrained in you to want to be like everybody else that this is the standard, this is what you're supposed to do, and then it just you know graduates into when you're an adult, you know, yeah. and then it's you know you got to have this car, you got to have this house, you got to have this career, yeah, you, you're, you know, even when like I went to my school counselor, you know, and he was asking me, this is the '80s, and so he's like, what do you want to do with your life? And I mean, honestly, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I did know. That I wanted to be like my mom, and I wanted to be a homemaker. I wanted to stay at home and take care of my kids. And I mean, my counselor laughed at me. He just kind of snickered at me oh, and said, oh, uh-huh. wow. "Okay, you know." Like, and like, so for real, what do you want to do? You know, like yeah. that's kind of what he was insinuating. <laughs> horrible. And I'm like, well, I don't know what I want to do, but I do know I want to do that. Yeah. You know. And he was like trying to lead me down some career path. I'm like, <laughs> All right, jerk. <laughs> How dare you? But, you know, see, that's something that I think, too, is a, a part of society is that, that it looks down on women that want to. Right. We don't have to be in a career. We can if we want to. Right. But right. a career There's as no a homemaker is also, yeah. I mean, if you had to pay somebody to come into your house yeah. and take care of your kids and cook for them 24-7 and get up with them in the middle of the night, right. you couldn't afford me. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> I'm with you on that. Right. Like that. So, you know, this is a pretty important job. It is. And a society kind of looked down on it for a long time yeah. and made us feel bad for wanting and having that desire. Yep. So, you know. I say, forget that. Yeah. <laughs> do what God created you do to do. Do what God called you right? to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you guys, I, I, everybody, you know, in, on this podcast, you're listening to Kathy, you're listening to Susan and I, and you hear these amazing stories of faith and visions, you know, and supernatural and right. how God speaks to us personally. And yet we've all come through very difficult seasons in our lives and made plenty of our own mistakes. 
you know, right. the phrase, I'm not perfect, it applies to all of us, right? Yes, it mm-hmm. does. And it's the solid truth that we're all saved by God's rich grace and mercy, and it's by His loving kindness that we've all been set free from our past sin. So, you know, we can be, it's, it's also that we can live a free and a full life, right. you know, free from sin, right? Yep. But do we still mess up? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Of course. You know, but we just try to keep a very, I mean, honestly, I just try to keep a very short account of sin and take things to the Lord like immediately. You know, when things happen, I just go to Him. I recognize it and I go to Him. Same. Yes. Same. Yeah. And I just ask Him to help me to think the way He thinks and to have His thoughts about every situation of sin that I found myself in. And I just confess it and I repent it right away and try not to react. Or, you know, that way again or go that way again. Right. It's it's truly only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we have the ability and the power working within us to see the changes that are needed to be made and not go that way again. That's true. It's good. You know, we all make mistakes simply because we're human. Right. But as Christians or Christ followers, you know, the word Christ, it's not Jesus' last name. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Christ means anointed one. So it's Jesus, the anointed one. So we are the anointed ones because we're Christians, right? It means Christ-like. And so it's important not to just give into our human weaknesses, but completely rely on the Holy Spirit's strength to overcome these areas of weakness and become a new creation transformed by the renewing of our minds, like Paul talks about, right? And just gain his perspective on things that we're facing and dealing with in in our lives. Right. You know, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning they're not of the flesh. Right. But they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That's good. That's good. Yeah. You know, we said because we listen to the enemy. Right. Right. We sin because we don't put on the whole armor of God to deflect the enemy's arrows. Right. We sin because it brings temporary pleasure. Unfortunately, we we give in to it. Mm-hmm. We sin because we don't know how to overcome the enemy. It's just easier to give in, right? Right. We sin because we don't understand the things we know nothing about. Right. We, you know, we're, we're humans that God created. Mm-hmm. We are not supernatural beings, but God and his kingdom is supernatural. Right. And we have full access to him and all of heaven. We just need to know and understand how to access it. Right. Right. Exactly. The beginning of this revelation comes from having an intimate relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. As humans, we're going to make mistakes. It's how we handle those mistakes that make us who we are. Right. Yeah. As a mom, I could say that I've made many parenting mistakes along the way. I, oh, you know, not me. I'm perfect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not me. <laughs> I want to be like you when I grow up. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Working while raising children is difficult. And, I, you know, I'm going to be honest, I was tired a lot. Yep. I didn't have the patience some days when my children really needed it. I was short with them, and I was sometimes rude or mean because I couldn't deal with one more thing that they needed my attention on. Right. Just do it because I said so. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I would tell them to go ask Dad, you know, knowing sometimes he's not going to have the answer they were seeking. It was like ping pong. They were going back and forth. Throw it in <laughs> his court. time. Yeah, buy me some time. Go, go ask Dad. Go you ask know, him. Leave me, alone. leave me alone. You know, I did recognize it later, though, and I— and I, you know, when I wasn't so stressed, and I always found ways to make it up to them, you know. But my point is, we're we're gonna mess up, right? It's just our human condition. It's the human nature. That's right. That's good, Kathy. Mm-hmm. I think all of us can relate to that. Yeah, yes. you know, I was a mess. <laughs> I've gossiped. I've hurt other people's feelings. I've said hurtful things to people I love. I've acted foolishly in anger. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I give y'all a really good example of me acting foolishly in anger. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah. All right. What do you say? All right. <laughs> well, I used to have road rage, like, really, really bad. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not lying, y'all. Like, I, I, I'm embarrassed to even tell you this story, but, you know, God... It, it brings him glory because he's the one that changed it. Right. When I was younger, I would cut people off. <laughs> I was one of those people. And people would cut me off, and I'd curse them out. I mean, I cursed them out. Wow. <laughs> Using all types of hand gestures. <laughs> and I used to make my husband so mad because I'd act like a fool, even if he's the one driving. Wow. I did. I did. I'd roll down the window and I'd yell and scream at people. Oh, and they wow. would, it would, this would cause a fight between the two of us, me uh-huh. and my husband. And he'd ask me, like, who do you think is going to be the one fighting these people? If we get, <laughs> it's going to be me. Pulling over. Yeah, he's like, it's going to be me. And it's not worth it. Right. And I would agree with him. I'd be like, yeah, you know, until it happened again. Oh, until it, it rose up again. And again, yeah. It just, something in me riled up when I was in the car. Yeah. Until one day, I was driving down a road close to where I worked in downtown Dallas many years ago, and someone cut me off. This was about a year after I got saved, so I was just a baby Christian. Mm-hmm. I got angry and did my usual antics. I started driving aggressively, <laughs> like really aggressively, got right up on his, you know, back of his car. On the bumper. Yep. Yelling and screaming at this person. Saying some curse words, you know. Yeah. And suddenly something inside of me said, Stop. Wow. And I immediately wow. did. Immediately. My mouth closed, like <laughs> my jaw that was dropped. Mm-hmm. I closed it. I was shocked. I knew it was God. I knew it was God and I knew he wasn't happy with me. It shook me to my core. It took God letting me know that this wasn't okay and I needed to stop acting like a crazy person. Yeah. Wow. Since that day, I have not chased someone down screaming and acting like a complete idiot. Our God knows how to, dis- how to discipline us as a good father should, right? Yeah. Yes. I've been jealous, and again, I've acted foolishly. I've cursed a lot, as I said, in my lifetime. I'm a sinner, you know? I'm guilty, and I repent. But my Savior took all the punishment to his body for me. Right. He gave his life for me in every single Thank one you, of us. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? Do you have some examples of just being human? You don't make it. No. Point? No. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Not at all. <laughs> I'm the only one. <laughs> all right. Yes, I do. But first, I want to say that that human condition is that human struggle in the letting go and letting God. That's true. We are nothing without him. And That's right. we fall short every time we think otherwise. When we fall short, we generally think we are in control and we search for happiness like we mentioned earlier. Right. In objects, places, and people other than God. Right. Only he can fill that void we can feel in the depth of our souls. We were created to continually search for home and that home is God. Yeah. So speaking of home, at 18 years old, I left home and I was a foreign exchange student in Venezuela, as mm. I've mentioned earlier. That's interesting, yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes this begins during our childhood at home. Like when I first left home, I knew all security, safety, and the love of my parents. When I had alone time while I was away, a certain nostalgia would surface, and I would yeah. think of my loved ones you miss back home. home. Right. Yeah. Get a little homesick. Yeah. yeah. Like Dorothy. That's right? normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what God calls each one of us to. Wait a minute. It's. Dorothy, there's no place like home. Yeah. Oh, from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I got the whole visual in my head. Sorry. That's right. No human being can fill God's unconditional love. Of right. course, we invest in relationships, and they are very fulfilling and full of love. However, I'm talking a love that never seeks self-interest or something in return. 
Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. God's love is more constant than human love. In turn, we seek who we truly are in him and receive love and grace in the process because we're simply human, as we've said. Right. And we were created knowing we would make mistakes along the way. Think about it. God would be so bored, like any of us in a relationship, if we were commanded to love him and if we were perfect in all our ways. Mm-hmm. How and why would there be a need for a relationship? Yeah, exactly. Right. Can you imagine even being in a relationship with something, someone exactly like you? Yeah. (laughs) That's not a good thing. No. We are the body. Each and every one of us is different, thank God, with Christ as the head of all, according to the new covenant. Right. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Yes. I just want to give another example. As I know that in my past, I have had unnecessarily high expectations expectations of people Mm -hmm. me too yeah that could they could not fill my expectations right it is not because they were terrible people however i was let down by them and either took the blame or became extremely resentful towards them through experiencing intimacy with god and better knowledge of the human condition i realized that an expectation can be a premeditated resentment Mm -hmm. communication with others and discussing what they can or cannot do would might be an easier solution Wow. Right, right. And harboring all that bitterness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of the illustration of the cross. Like when you're vertical, think of the, you know, the image of the cross going yeah. up and down and across. So when your vertical relationship up and down uh, with God is good through intimacy, like your intimate relationship with Him, then your horizontal relationships, you know, the, the cross, the line going across, the horizontal relationships with other people become good as well. But you need to have the vertical relationship with God stronger so the relationship with others become better. That's true. That's so good. It doesn't guarantee, though, that the other people are going to respond the way you want them to. It just means that you can handle those relationships better. I agree. Does it make sense? It it does. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yes, I've I've dealt with this. Um, I might have helped a loved one to the point that they wouldn't experience their own consequences of their wrongful choices. Yes. Like doing it all for them? Yes. Right. And then they don't get the punishment or the, you know. They don't don't learn. Life experience. Right. Right. So through this, I learned I was playing God. Mm -hmm. And even though I did it out of love, I was truly not helping them out in the long run. Right. I was enabling them rather than helping them. Mm -hmm. This also helped me to learn about maintaining appropriate boundaries for myself and others. Mm -hmm. I had to do that too. With my own children. I was enabling them in a lot of ways, and yeah, I'm a people pleaser. I've told you all that before, so it was important for me to, I thought I was helping them, but yeah. God said, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. You need to let me help them. Ra- raise them up until it's time for them to move. Raise them the way that I want you to raise them, but you can't do everything for them. Mm-hmm. They need to learn, yes. just like you did. Right. Yeah. You know? You know, so. you can't clean the whole house. Yeah. You know, I, I would always use this as an example, like... With my kids, if you do all the cleaning, then they ne- never learn how to clean. Right. So, you know, you they have to have them. that responsibility. Right. They have to go through the struggles of, well, how do I get it clean? You yeah. know, and you assist them on the way, but don't do it for them because right. then they'll never learn. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, then they won't teach their children. Right. And then that just causes a whole other set of problems. <laughs> right. And, you know, just that whole example of cleaning always teaches responsibility. Yes. And hygiene, all those kind of things. It just kind of all rolls in there. But you can't just do everything. You can't solve their problems. They right. have to work through it themselves. Exactly right. It, yeah. It, otherwise, it just delays it in life. Right. 
They, and they, they learn up, those lessons much later, and yeah. it doesn't help. They and end then, up being messed and, up adults. And then their yeah. husband or wives are going to be very upset with you because they've married somebody that's not clean. <laughs> 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 and they will thank you one day if you do teach exactly. them. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, speaking about parenting, I have another humbling example. Mm. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I've learned that there's no perfect parent, like we were saying earlier, including myself. Yeah. Except for me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just teasing. <laughs> oh, there's no perfect amount of anything except love and grace when parenting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like children are mini spiritual directors without even knowing. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they're the ones uh, directing everything. Yeah. Yes. They question the vulnerability in us and bring it out into the open. In public. Yes. <laughs> Many times, yes. Yes. Even when it's difficult things we haven't dealt with within us right. yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We suddenly have moments of transparency that we find we know we have to face from our own childhoods or in general. Yeah. Family time at the dinner table has been the most common time for these types of discussions to arise for us, yeah. for my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, us too. However, in Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that all things work together for g- good to them that love God, mm-hmm. to them who are called according to his purpose. That's good. Right. Amen. Yeah. I'm learning more about the human condition through this parenting, though. Yeah. I'm learning more about it in myself and through my children as they are teenagers who will soon be leaving home. As a parent, this requires shepherding them, walking right. alongside them. Not so much parenting anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just walking alongside them, yeah. letting them go and yeah. make their own mistakes. Right. Yeah. And that's the key. Yeah. They're going to make mistakes. Oh, we did. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're going to, too. But they'll learn from them. We're just stewards, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. for them. Yeah. yeah. They're responsible for their own choices and consequences that come as a result of those choices. This is what each one of us face on the journey of life. Mostly, we have encouraged an atmosphere in my family, which everyone is open to talk about life issues. That's good. This allows, yeah, it is. This allows an openness to understand our human condition and opportunity to be vulnerable through life choices. Speaking of the human condition, (laughs) I'm going to share something about myself. Oh, no. So, okay, by nature... And y'all know this, but yeah. you, by nature, I'm a very passionate person when it comes to things being done the right way. Yeah. So especially when it pertains to, I mean, really, you know, somebody else makes mistakes and it's not done the right way. Okay. Yeah. But if, if it has to do with the kingdom of God, oh, then I'm yes. like passionate about it. Yes. And these I girls, love, they know. I love they've, it they've, about they've, her they've too. They've heard this. Yes, me too. <laughs> Coming out of my mouth. Yeah. But when I was really young, like I was in my 20s, I was volunteering in youth ministry, and I, I worked very closely with the youth ministers. And I, I just kept seeing inconsistencies in how they were doing their job, and just things weren't getting done. And I just basically jumped to the conclusion that they were just lazy. Oh, no. You know? Ow. And it's not going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> so I continued to see things not happening, and I judged them in my mind. And in a teacher's, we were in the middle of a teacher's meeting, and I opened my mouth, and I basically told the ministers they weren't doing their job in front of everyone. No. Oh, yeah. my open mouth insert yeah. foot. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> And I immediately felt a strong conviction in my gut that I, I was oh, wrong yeah. for saying what I did. My face you got really in red. Trouble. You were in big trouble. Yeah. My passionate, <laughs> oh. my passionate thoughts got directed in the wrong way. Yeah. You know, for self-justification. And I opened my mouth for my own self-edification. Like, yeah. I'm right, you're yeah. wrong. Yeah. You know. But what I should have done was just 
checked myself at the door before even going into the meeting that night, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I recently took one of those Enneagram personality tests and it shows, you know, like I'm a number eight. Wait, what is that? I've heard of an Enneagram test. What's that? It's a high quality personality test and self-discovery. It's one of the most powerful and insightful tools for understanding ourselves and others and behavior patterns. Right, right. So I, I, you know, I I looked it up and I took one of those. (laughs) Took one of those tests. You wouldn't happen to have a strong personality. Oh, you? no, not at all. <laughs> so, like, when I took it, it said it made a lot of sense because now that I look back on my life and, you know, when I was younger growing up and all that, and I see how I've always been, I've had a strong personality. And and it can be a good thing, you know, yeah, a great thing to help yeah. and lead other people. Great leaders. Right. But it can also be a detriment when I'm living and functioning according to my own flesh. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's, it's really important to remember that if you have a dominant personality like me, then you need to practice daily humbling yourself before the Lord so you can have balanced thinking and a surrendered flesh. Yes. Amen. I mean, yes. that is true. It's not just once a month that you go to, you got to do this every day. Yeah. Because you are so strong. Yeah. And God knows it, but He knows that you need to just go to Him and depend on Him. To just shape me, mold me, and make me into His will. Yes, and the mm-hmm. thing about it is, is, you saw, you you knew, you knew that about you know that about yourself. So mm-hmm. allowing God to come in and just train you and show you how to use that the right way, right? How you were made, how He wanted you to be. Then it can be a good tool. It's absolutely right? an excellent tool. Yes. Yeah. Right, it's a beautiful thing. Then just be shaped by God first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like Susan said, after I opened my mouth and I inserted my foot. Yeah. <laughs> I was so strongly convicted by the Holy Spirit that I knew I needed to call these guys and apologize the very next day. And I called them first thing in the morning, and I told them how wrong it was for me to, to say what I said. I mean, I was groveling. Yeah. Be- not, not like on purpose. I was groveling because I seriously was super, super sorry yeah. for what I had said. And they were really nice and gracious, and they accepted my apology, probably because they could feel how bad I felt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I had that strong kick in my gut, you know, by the Holy Spirit that I did something majorly wrong. And then later I was reading in Romans 13, 1 through 2, and it says, Every person must submit to and support the authorities over them. For there is no, there can be no authority in the universe except by God's appointment, which means that every authority that exists has been instituted by God. So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God, which results in severe consequences, which is why I felt the way I did, right? And I learned a huge lesson at that time and learned to take every thought captive and bring it to the obedience of Christ before acting, you know, on my fleshly impulses. And again, it's not that Christians are perfect, right? but when we're led by the Holy Spirit, thank you, Holy Spirit, (laughs) they move and react according to the Spirit of God and not by our own flesh. Right. It's a surrendering of ourselves, our pride, our lust, our jealousy, our desire to live like everybody else, our passions, even our own personal desires that we think are just good ideas. We still have to take those thoughts and bring them before the God, you know, and just ask Him to help us to walk according to His will and His way, like He says, the way of Yahweh. That's right. This is what it means to live holy lives for God. Right. Uh, Yeah, that's true. What about our relationship as it pertains to marriage? Mm-hmm. The human yeah. condition <laughs> is related back to Adam and Eve sinning in the garden as we have described. Right. It's the process where we lose fellowship and intimacy with God and try to get back in alignment with Him. Mm-hmm. It's been challenging in our family with my husband's travel and job atmosphere. Yeah, me too. 
This atmosphere involves a lot of socialization with affluent and famous people. Oh, goodness. This atmosphere is very worldly. Yeah. Being in this atmosphere takes a high state of Christ consciousness to stay God-focused in order to further the kingdom of God. Well, Susan, can you tell us what your husband does for a living? I'm curious now. Sure. He's a professional polo player and coach. Oh, wow. Actually, he's currently playing against Prince Harry's team from the United Kingdom. Oh, that's cool. So he's yeah. definitely socializing with some important right. people. Yeah. Yeah. Money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Most of the time when we make choices, our choices affect all those around us, not just ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important to be in a community with others who can support me with godly decisions. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Especially when you're in a worldly environment. Right. Yeah. It, it just helps you bring back to center, yes. you know, and not off on a, a worldly tangent. Right. <laughs> yeah. God wanted us to be in intimate relationship with Him and others. He created us this way. In our human condition, we were not meant to walk alone. That's the whole reason he created Eve in the beginning, so that Adam wasn't alone, mm-hmm. so that they could multiply. Right. Furthermore, creating family. We are but one human family created by God to live in harmony. I agree. I right. do. You know, even though it's in our human nature to sin, God gave us a way to overcome all sin. And we can live a healthy, peaceful, and joyful life. Y'all agree? Mm-hmm. Right. But it cannot happen without an intimate relationship with our Father, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. That's the key. That's yes, the it key. is. Right. Well, it's time to close. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on the human condition. Nobody's perfect, guys. Right. Oh. We know we're going to mess up. In our next podcast, we will discuss forgiveness and why it's important. Yeah. And we just want to close with this scripture. It's from Romans eight twenty six through 27. It says, also, the Spirit helps us with our weaknesses. We do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself speaks to God for us, even begs God for us with deep feelings that words cannot explain. God can see what is in people's hearts, and he knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit speaks to God for his people in the way God wants. That's good. I like that one. Mm Mm-hmm. Today's episode was edited by Caitlin Beck. We appreciate all you do for us, Caitlin. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you, Caitlin. (laughs) We'd also like to give special recognition to M. Basil Pennington, Richard Rohr, and Thomas Keating. They have some really great books that will help you understand about the human condition. Before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. And we just want to thank you for listening and allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. We'd love to hear from you. So please email us at puretruthpodcast3, that's the number three, at gmail.com. And please send us your favorite scripture and tell us why it's important to you. Yes, and please visit our websites, kathyzackett.com, chosentowrite.com, and susanoffin.com. And we hope you'll join us next time. And remember, live thirsty. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may His face shine upon you and give you His peace. All right, until next time, Susan, Laura, and Kathy. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, all in the Spanish remixes out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.
Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric acid. Electric acid.